message that's worth proclaiming from the mountains. Lord, we do thank you that we have a message that's worth proclaiming from the mountains. Jesus Christ has been born. He has come. He has accomplished. His divine mission and salvation has, um, has been purchased. And we thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness, for your faithfulness to come to us and to redeem us and to fulfill your promise. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us and give us um, insight and fill our hearts with that same joy um, tonight even as we look at your word and we are again reminded of the good news that is of great joy to us. Lord, we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, tonight I do want to just spend a little bit of time looking at the Gospel of Luke and this idea that we have been given good news. Um, I think everybody likes hearing good news. The, obviously, the Lord knows this. He writes in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30, good news refreshes the bones. And so we all like to hear good news. Certainly, we would, right? There's, there are different, I guess, uh, degrees, if you will, of good news. Hearing, you know, good news, your car is ready after you've been wandering around Walmart for an hour and a half waiting for them to finish it is good news. But that's not as good news as hearing, hey, good news, your cancer is in full remission. Hearing good news, we'll be able to come and make the birthday party after all, is not as good as hearing the good news of everyone is okay after a car accident. What I want to propose for us tonight is that what we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 is the best news. It's the good news that's proclaimed to mankind that is the best good news that we could possibly ever receive and hear. And that good news is that God has sent his Son our Savior, and he has um, begun to accomplish a work of redemption for us. And it begins with him as a baby in this manger. And it culminates upon his work on the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and his continued work of mediation for his people now today. Those things are good. I would not just say that they were good. I would say that those things are the best news that we could hear. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 um, tonight. I want to just read verses 8 through 14 for us. We're only going to be looking at verses um, 10 and 11, but just for the sake of the context, I want us to read a little bit um, on both sides of that. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I'm going to read through verse 14, and then we will just want to take a little bit of time and look at verse 10 and 11. And if this sounds familiar to you, that's good, because it's part of what Merrick just read for us tonight. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This good news that they hear and receive is based upon this proclamation that the Savior has come. And we want to see a few things tonight regarding that in particular. 
three things that we notice about good news. Really, three things that we notice about Jesus. Number one, good news drives away fear. Good news brings great joy. And good news is the fact that God has come to save us. And like I said, all of these things can be found in the person of Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who drives away fear. Jesus Christ is the one who brings us great joy. And Jesus Christ is the one that is the Savior of the world. And we see this tonight in our passage. First, um, just notice with me and consider with me the fact that Jesus Christ, or good news, drives out fear. The angels appear to be out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Just another normal night for the shepherds of, of watching their sheep when something extraordinary happens. Text tells us that an angel appears. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And then the angel speaks to them and says the first thing out of the angel's mouth, seeing that they're in fear because they're in this, this, this situation of seeing the glory of God appearing to them out of nowhere, the first thing that he says to them is, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The good news is intended to drive out their fear. We don't know, the text doesn't tell us what it is that the glory of the Lord looked like that night. We do know that they were filled with fear because the glory of the Lord shone around this angelic being who is speaking to them. I mean, imagine if you're just at your job, going about your normal nine to five, doing your thing, an angel appears and the glory of God along with it. How would you feel? Maybe a little afraid could be a proper way of describing your emotions at that moment. Um, but the angel speaks and says, fear not. And again, we don't know what the glory of God looks like. We have other instances where, of the glory of God being revealed to us in Scripture. You think about when the glory of God is revealed on Mount Sinai and the people were afraid. There was a giant cloud. There was fire and lightning and smoke and all of these things as the glory of God appears. And they're filled with fear. And they tell Moses, we're not going up there. You go up there and you speak to the Lord for us on our behalf. And the people were filled with great fear. You also have this really kind of wild description of the glory of God in Ezekiel chapter 1 where it's got wheels and fire and lightning and rainbow and color and a throne. And there's all of these wild things going on. And at the end of Ezekiel chapter 1, it says, and this is how the glory of God was revealed. And Ezekiel falls on his face presumably in fear, and the Lord speaks to him. And then we think of Matthew 17, where the glory of God appears on the mountain of transfiguration, again with the cloud, bright white light, and Jesus is transfigured before them. They see his, his human nature is brushed aside for a moment. He stands before them in his divine nature, and they're filled with fear. And so you can imagine what it is like for the creation to receive a visible manifestation of the creator by way of his glory being revealed and how that might fill us or anybody or them with fear. It seems to be the usual response when people see or encounter the glory of God. But they're told to fear not. The good news drives away that fear. And they're told to fear not, behold. The idea is we want you, there's, 
Behold and listen as you're considering what's being spoken to you. Behold the message that's being proclaimed to you. Think about it. Take it in. Mull it over. Chew on it. Munch on it mentally in your mind of what it is that, we, that, that is being proclaimed to you. Yes, I mean, consider what it is that you see. That's unmistakable. But really, the point of the text is not so much on what it is that they see, but it, what it is that they hear, the message that's proclaimed to them. Fear not, for I have good news of great joy. And what's that good news of great, what's this thing that they're going to say? What's this news that, this, that the angels are going to pronounce that's going to fill them with great joy? The Savior, he's come. That, beloved, is the best news that we can hear. And so we can imagine that their fear was driven away. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected by love. They're told not to fear because God is not there in his glory to judge or to bring punishment. God is there in his glory to save, to bring them salvation. This is not a message of judgment. This is a message of redemption. And because of that, their fear is driven away. Which then leads to the second thing that we see. Good news brings great joy. Not just a little joy. Not just meh joy. Some joy but great joy, like joyous joy. It's, it's like, again, you know, the type of news that you hear is going to determine this type of response that you have. Hearing the good news of your cancer is full remission is going to excite way more joy than good news your car is done. You don't have to aimlessly wander the halls of Walmart any, any longer. You can go pick it up. As great as that is, the other is way better. And in comparison to both of those two, this good news that the Savior has come outshines them all. It is the news that is supposed to fill the life of the one who has been expecting it and who receives it with, the, with, with joyous joy, great joy. A Christian's life is supposed to be marked by joy because we know that we don't face the judgment, that we have life and salvation for us. There's no better news to know than being reconciled with God and being able to, to live within his grace and have full pardon and forgiveness for the rest of your days. And what you have assuredly coming your direction is a warm reception by the God and creator of all things, and that is to be yours for all eternity. That's good news, and that's reason for great joy. I think a lot of the reason the times, a lot of the reason why Christians don't live in this joy is because the salvation that we have that's guaranteed to us is not something that we regularly think about or live, live in. We're too determined by our circumstances and situations around us, how we wish this would change or that would change or why isn't this happening or I'm waiting for this to happen rather than realizing what it is has already, that has already happened is the best thing that could happen. And that's redemption in Christ. Good news of great joy. Peter, I love the way that he puts it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen to how he says this. Though you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What leads to inexpressible joy that's filled with glory? The believer knows that they're obtaining the salvation of their faith, the salvation of their souls, to know that they are reconciled with God. This is good news of great joy that we are intent, that God intends for us to, to live out. Christian joy should be supreme joy. And the shepherds to re, were to rejoice in the good news that was proclaimed to them. And it wasn't just going to be for them, but it was going to be, as the text tells us, it would be for all the people. This is not just a message of salvation for you group of shepherds. This is a salvation, a divine declaration by the creator of all things that he has come to redeem his people. And it's far more widely reaching than just this group. It's going to go and go and go. And, and hey, by the way, it's still going. People are still being saved and hearing this good news and being filled with great joy and being ushered into the kingdom of God. And we know why this good news of great joy had such a response. Because thirdly, this good news is that God has come to save. It's really the pronouncement that God comes to save the sinner is the reason why the news is, is good and the reason why it has joy and it has great joy. Because of what it is that God intends to do through this person, this, this baby Jesus who grows to be a man, who suffers a horrible death upon a cross, but rises in power and victory from the grave and ascends to the Father where he sits right now, ruling sovereignly over all things in perfect glory. It all starts. This, this, this plan of redemption, though part of God's plan in eternity past, it has to actually take on shape and form in some period of time. And, and this birth scene, this manger, manger scene, is so incredible because this is the point in time in which God begins to inaugurate this plan and, and fulfill it in ways that had not been fulfilled before. He is actually doing something. As you, if you read through the Bible and you read through the life of Jesus, he is working. He is accomplishing something on your behalf. Because you can't work for it, and you can't accomplish it or do it. So he does it, and he takes it upon himself. And this is how salvation, this is how redemption happens. Forgiveness of sin, this is how it comes about. And, and, and his life is marked by perfect and complete obedience and righteousness from the beginning. The work that he does, the work is, what's demanded of him is perfection. And that's why he has to be God, because he's the only one that can be perfect. Every other human being has failed. He is given three titles in the text. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior. 
He's the Redeemer, who is Christ. He's the long-awaited Messiah, the one who is going to come and bring salvation, the Lord. He is God himself. What's so astounding about this moment is that the good news is composed of, in some way, God himself assuming flesh like ours and living among us and dying like one of us. That the idea that God would do that is is unthinkable. And yet, why does he do it? Out of love for his people. The manger scene is one of the greatest displays of love that can ever exist. God himself assuming flesh. The church father Athanasius says this, Jesus, for the love of humankind and goodness of his own father, he appeared to us in a human body for our salvation. He accomplishes this. The miracles that God comes to us, assumes flesh, retains all of his deity, and yet taking to himself the full humanity and beginning even with this event as a young baby. Another writer says it like this, It is only because Jesus is the eternal Son that he is able to descend into the deep depths of this world, be born as a babe in a manger, and ascend back to the Father with a host of newborn sons in his wake. It's because of his divine nature he is able to come and accomplish salvation. If he's not divine, there's no good news, there's no great joy, there's no salvation for any of us. The the wonder of this whole scene is God himself, the eternal, invisible God, becoming visible and assuming flesh upon himself and accomplishing a work solely on behalf of the salvation of the sinner for the glory of the Father, but to accomplish redemption for mankind. 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. This is his divine mission from the beginning. And we celebrate at Christmas time the beginning of that. So I'd like, for us to, I'd like for us to tonight to consider what does this good news mean to you? Do you see God sending his son as his love for you and that indeed being good news? Or is this just another, it's just another season? Just another holiday. Is it truly good news that fills you with great joy because your salvation has been accomplished and it is yours and you are his? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that for all of us here tonight, we would consider at least for a moment tonight How good is this news to me? Really, how how much joy does it provide me on a day-to-day basis? How much of my joy and happiness is bound up in life circumstances, people, possessions? Lord, what would we do? Would we still have great joy if all of those things were stripped from us because the one thing that gives us the greatest joy can never be stripped from us? We've been learning that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that that would be the well of our joy, 
And because you never change, the well never changes, the joy never changes. It is a constant flow in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the good news that provides great joy, but thank you more for the good news that provides salvation, redemption accomplished, redemption applied to the people. May the eyes of all of us look to you and turn to you and and worship you with hearts full of inexpressible joy. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.